Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Podcast Reviews. Today we're coming at you from the new year. It's been uh, since the end of November that we last spoke. And a lot happened in December. You know, we've got five family birthdays, i got an anniversary, we got Christmas, there's New Year's Eve. There wasn't a weekend or a spare day that we had probably all month. Uh, so I kind of slacked a little bit on the podcasting front. But what I did in the meantime, though was play a little bit of catch-up. My goal before the Oscars in March this year, 2023, I wanted to have seen 50 movies from 2022. Um, I don't want to say those numbers are pedestrian when it comes to reviewing films, because I remember in my least active year, that was probably about all I got to, was probably 50 to 75 maybe. Um, Just still more than your average person goes and sees films, but... You know, for me, I'm you know, trying to keep myself reasonable, keep my goals attainable, and uh, get myself on a on a right track. So, I have accomplished that goal. I've seen 50 2022 releases, and we're going to do something kind of interesting. I've spent a lot of time kind of writing out my reviews, uh, pre-scripting for these podcasts. Um, but with the Oscar nominations that just came out, a lot of people in the film critic business are essentially giving what they would vote for if they were an Academy member. So, you know, their picks for Best Picture, Best Actor, Cinematography, Visual Effects, things like that. It's just kind of a fun thing that I think we all like to do at the end of the year. You can kind of compare with each other what someone else liked. I think for me, looking at all the awards from the uh, the more independent uh, groups, you know, the Seattle Film Critics Society, of which I know many members... Uh, they just had, it was cool, they just had their first ever party while revealing their awards. Um, so I got some great film recommendations from them. Uh, please go take a look at those fellow Seattle critics. Uh, they're doing just phenomenal work out there. Um, and they certainly have helped me along my way. Um, and this year especially by giving me dozens of recommendations to check out. Um, so my, my plan here... Today we're going to talk about what my favorites of the year would be, briefly. You know, we'll kind of I'll skim through them now because my goal is to do shorter form reviews leading up to the Oscars. Um, and after this episode, I'm gonna the next ten podcasts or however I'm gonna do them, uh, each will be dedicated to my favorite ten films of the year. Uh, they might be a little more in depth, a little bit longer than the reviews that follow, just because. They were films that moved me or affected me in a way I feel that needs a little bit more time to explain. But uh, after that, we'll kind of go through categories. I've got horror films, bulk action movies. We've got for, um, horror and foreign um, documentaries. I'm like, there's all sorts of all sorts of good stuff to come. Thrillers, mysteries, dramas. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of go through those segueing at an appropriate point from one to the next. But uh but the idea is just to just to get some good good reviews out there, give the people an idea of what they can watch, where they can watch it, you know, which streaming platform, if it's still playing theaters. Um and that way before we get to March sixteenth for the ninety fifth Academy Awards, March twelfth, I apologize, which is just way too late to be doing awards from the last year, but that's neither here or there. <laughs> By that time I hope that you and I will both have a good idea of what the real best representation of film was this year. We'll see how much they get right at that show. So without further ado, 
I'm going to jump into my personal 10 best picture nominations of the year, starting by far and away with the film I saw more than any other film this year, and that had to be Top Gun Maverick. You know, I'm going to say that that's my number one film of the year. I'm not going to give you another order necessarily for the films that come after, but uh, Top Gun, by far and away, best popcorn flick, best theater experience, you know, probably one of the best sequels to an action film or something, 30 plus years on, um, you're, you're kidding yourself if it's not at the top of your list. That's just me personally, but let's continue down the list. We've also got The Batman, Robert Pattinson, and uh, Matt Reeves' take on everybody's, present company included, favorite superhero. We have Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Michelle Yao and Kehoi Kwan's multiversal film from the Daniels Brothers, which uh, is one of the most emotional films probably of the year um and just fantastic writing there super quirky um but for the world we live in with superheroes and everything else i think it finds a a really nice place that it's kind of carved out for itself uh moving on we've got the northman alexander skarsgård and robert eggers hamlet style viking tale filled with blood and vengeance um and no holds bars retelling perhaps of that uh, classic Shakespearean story mixing it well with uh, Norse and Viking mythology um, phenomenal performances as is with the case in all of Robert Eggers movies he really commits to making the film feel like you were in 7th or 9th century <laughs> present day Iceland um, between the language the set design everything um, not a film for the faint of heart but incredibly incredibly awesome we've also got vengeance from bj novak uh, most people know him as ryan on the office you know he wrote so many episodes of that show and he's popped up here and there in many films but uh he wrote he starred and he directed this film um examining the way we live our lives in a uh, technological age how that can create a distance between not only each other, but uh, even in the whole country, and this idea of exploring grief and exploring how people handle their situation and how they see the world, given maybe where they're from and what they've heard about others. But it's uh, it was truly one of the most surprising films I saw of the whole year. It takes place out in West Texas, so that was uh, a welcome surprise for me, but really takes your expectations um, wherever you might be from and what you might think of people who live somewhere different than you, it, it really flips them on their head and it really, really has something to say. Um, and for that reason, it had to be on this list. I hadn't seen anything like it all year and I'm really glad I saw it. Uh, we've also got The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's latest film, uh, diving into his own personal life growing up and essentially a look at how he got into filmmaking a look at what his family life was like at the time and, and how that really did shape the director that he would go on to be. Um, it's easily his most personal film. Um, it's funny, he said, you know, it's taken 70 plus years and all my other films to make and finally feel comfortable to share this story. Um, and if you are a lover of film, it is an absolute must. Um, it is so enjoyable to see a creative young 
Sammy Fableman, a.k.a. Steven Spielberg, falling in love with film and learning how to use it to his own, not even advantage, but how he could use it to shape the stories that he had to tell, even at the time, and what was going on in his life. Um, brilliant performances. John Williams delivers an incredible score. Uh, a must-see. And speaking of must-sees, is Kate Blanchett in Tar, where she plays a uh, celebrated conductor, orchestrator. She, uh, one of the most world-renowned conductors of her time. It's a look at her rise and fall, the look at how power and those dynamics can uh, shift and how they can be used for evil, as we see fairly often in the world, unfortunately, in people in positions of power. Um, Blanchett just delivers a tour de force performance that never lets up. It's uh, got a lot to say about the time we live in, um, separating the artist from the art, and also looking in the mirror and looking at some of our own destructive tendencies, whether we choose to ignore them or not. And uh, it's just brilliant writing. Really gives you another appreciation for uh, music and everything that goes into building an orchestra and all these parts playing together and what they can create. Um, I loved it. I was blown away. And as always, Kate Blanchett just knocks it out of the park. Uh, so that is an absolute must. Keeping in the music theme... We'll move on to Elvis. And uh, like I would say that Elvis is probably on the back end of my top ten list. Uh, it's certainly a film that is anchored by probably my favorite performance of the year um, in Austin Butler. Um, there's a few directorial decisions with Tom Hanks' character that I'm not overly fond of, but uh, it's not enough to have me overlook the film as a whole. What I learned about Elvis... Uh, what I got out of Butler's performance and his dedication. Um, I am a Baz Luhrmann fan through and through. I know that a lot of people aren't. His style is definitely not for everybody. But uh, I was blown away. Um, how much I didn't know about the exploitation going on in Elvis's life and how he was being used and uh, really opens a larger door for the rest of the music industry and looking at how some of these managers just destroyed the, the lives and careers of the people they were supposed to be helping for their own benefit. Um, you know, the music is already incredible, but Butler's performance is just otherworldly. It's like Rocket Man with Taron Edgerton, except Taron Edgerton didn't get nominated, and that's still a, that's still a big issue for us. But, uh, but Elvis is certainly, certainly worth the watch. Uh, I just caught up with this film, uh, these last two films, actually, on my top ten in the last couple weeks. We've got The Menu with Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, just a, uh, a world-renowned chef who's grown bitter to the world, catering to uh, the ultra-elite finds that he might take a, a delicious twist on a, uh, on a get-together held by some of the most uh, repulsive people in their own deadly sin kind of ways. And watching how their, uh, course by course, their lives and their meals are changing things around them. Um, not that it reminds me of a film like uh, Fight Club, but there is an edginess and grittiness. I don't want to say to the mean-spiritedness of the film, but it, it chooses to look at the elite in a certain way, and it doesn't 
shy away from that. Um, it's just terrific writing, masterful performances. It's funny. It's sometimes terrifying. And if you're a foodie, you're going to love the way that the dishes are presented and how we see all that goes into some of these incredible kitchens and plating these just outlandish dishes. Um, really, really great stuff. Um, and to round out my 10th best picture, I would have to, to give that to Cha-Cha Real Smooth. That's a director and actor by the name of Cooper Rafe. Uh, this is his second feature film. Chronicles a kid coming back from school after college, going back in that kind of transition from leaving school, coming back home. You know, your life was one thing there, but maybe there are rules when you've got to come back. And, you know, the idea of, all right, you know, where are you getting your job? Are you working? Oh, well, so-and-so's son has a job. And, you know, this kid doesn't totally know what he's going to do yet, but he, uh, he takes his younger brother to a bat mitzvah and somehow stumbles into being a party starter for the uh, for the Jewish community there. And along the way, meets uh, Dakota Johnson's character and her daughter. And that kind of turns into something really beautiful, really emotional, um, and just so touching in a way that uh, I, I was just profoundly moved by the film and what it had to say about, you know, when you're young, how you see the world versus how people older than you might, um, you know, there's so much possibility in what you think you can provide in the world and what you could do versus the reality that uh, comes with age and getting older. And so it was just a really interesting duality of seeing two perspectives of life, how they can overlap, but uh, how separate they are as well. Um, really, really smart, terrific writing. Um probably the funnier film or one of the funnier films that I watched this year. Um, just terrific stuff, really great stuff. So that, that would probably be my 10 best films. I'll go through those one last time for you quick. Top Gun Maverick, The Batman, Everything Everywhere, All at Once, The Northman, Vengeance, The Fablemans, Tar, Elvis, The Menu, and Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Now let's break into those acting categories. Alrighty, we're going to get a little rapid fire now here as we go through some of these lists, starting with Best Actor. My five, in no particular order, Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin, Paul Mescal for After Sun, Tom Cruise for Top Gun Maverick, and Cooper Rafe for the Cha-Cha Real Smooth. <clears throat> and for Best Supporting Actor, I would nominate Brad Pitt, for uh, Babylon, Kehoi Kwan, for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Barry Keoghan, and Brendan Gleeson, both for uh, Banshees of Inisherin, and Paul Dano for The Fablemans. Moving over to Best Actress, I would nominate Kate Blanchett for Tar, Michelle Yao for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Viola Davis for The Woman King, Mia Goth for her performance in the film X. No, sorry, Pearl. It really would be both, but Pearl, she runs away with. Uh, Margot Robbie for Babylon. And the Best Supporting Actresses being Hong Chao, who was nominated for the Oscar for The Whale, which I've not seen. I would nominate her for The Menu, personally. I thought she was just... <laughs> it's 
incredible. Funnier than anyone else this year, for the most part. I would nominate Carrie Condon for uh, Banshees of Anishirin. would nominate Stephanie Sue for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I would nominate Kiki Palmer for Jordan Peele's Nope. And I would also nominate Dakota Johnson for Cha-Cha Real Smooth. We've got the Best Director category, my five. Personally, I would nominate Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. I would nominate Baz Luhrmann for uh, Elvis. I would also nominate Todd Field, who directed Tar. The Daniels, who both directed uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And then I would also probably nominate Robert Eggers, personally. Um, Every film of his, you just become lost in. Not in the period piece kind of way, but deeper than that. Uh, Moving on to Best Editing, I would nominate Top Gun Maverick. I would nominate Tar. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Fablemans. And I would nominate Elvis. Best Original Screenplay, I would nominate Tar. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Fablemans. I would nominate The Menu, as well as Cha-Cha, Real Smooth. And moving into our adapted screenplays, I would nominate Glass Onion, the Knives Out series, because there was a previous Knives Out, that's why it has to be adapted, despite being a new script, it borrows from the same character. I would nominate All Quiet on the Western Front. I would nominate Top Gun Maverick and Black Panther, uh, Black Panther 2, that is. Um, And I would nominate uh, Pearl as well. The last three of those also being semi-sequels that borrow from characters, and that's why you end up in the best adapted screenplay there. We'll get along to best cinematography. I would choose Top Gun Maverick, Avatar The Way of Water, The Fablemans, Babylon, and especially Nope. For our visual effects, Avatar, Black Panther 2, Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Nope. For our sound editing, I would nominate Top Gun Maverick, Elvis, Avatar, Babylon, and All Quiet on the Western Front. For our production design, I would nominate Babylon, Elvis, Avatar The Way of Water, The Fablemans, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. For our costume design, I would nominate Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. I would nominate Elvis, Babylon, The Woman King, and Glass Onion. For our hair and makeup, I think it's got to be Elvis, The Batman, Glass Onion, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. For our original songs, I would choose uh, Lift Me Up from Black Panther 2, Natu Natu from uh, RRR, and then I would choose Hold My Hand from uh, Top Gun Maverick. I've only got three songs there out of five. That's just because I've yet to totally do my due diligence there. Um, and lastly, we'll move into our best original score. Uh, I would nominate Pearl. I would nominate The Batman, Babylon, The Fablemans, and The Woman King. Sorry, that wasn't the last category. I've got a, I don't have documentary features quite uh, wrapped up yet, nor with our uh, shorts. Uh, best international film. I would nominate Decision to Leave, Speak No Evil, RRR, All Quiet on the Western Front, and Bardo. 
with the last category being Best Animated Feature, of which I have seen one this year, and that would be Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Now that we've made it through our rapid round, I know that was a lot to digest, but uh, the hard part's out of the way now. Next comes the harder part, actually. (laughs) We're going to get recording on those Best Picture nominations for myself. Uh, Those first ten reviews will be coming out, and then we'll just hit you with the rest of them in uh, a nice sequential order. I appreciate your patience, as always, you know, getting back into this movie groove. It's really easy to watch the movies. Really easy. Nah, well, if you can carve the time out, it's easy. And then uh, writing about them and recording about them is a whole other animal. So, you know, it's a new year. We're holding ourselves accountable. We're getting back into the groove. And, you know, I want this to be uh, something enjoyable again. You know, I want to have a good, good dynamic and relationship with the people. So, as always, if there's new films you think I should be checking out or films you think I missed as well, I am always open and ready to do my homework. So we'll see you next time with our review of Top Gun Maverick.